Welcome back to Lasa's channel. My name is Anton Vjeltsin. I'm an attorney in the Southern District of California here in San Diego. Today we're going to discuss a case that turns on a Fourth Amendment rule that confessions obtained through exploitation of an illegal arrest cannot be used against a criminal defendant. What it means is that if officers illegally detain and arrest an individual and then obtain a confession out of him, the jury should never hear about that confession. And to demonstrate that rule, we're going to discuss a case out of Texas that went all the way to the Supreme Court and it deals with a situation where the officers went in the middle of the night, got a 17-year-old out of bed, put him in handcuffs, and in his boxers took him to the police station where he later confessed to be in connection with murder. Now, before we go on, I want to thank you for watching me on YouTube, hitting that subscribe button, and sharing my channel with your friends and family. If you're listening to the podcast version of this recording on Audible or Spotify, please give my podcast a 5-star rating. And finally, if you want to support this channel, consider going to lostash.com and purchasing one of my t-shirts. Thanks for watching. Quick message from Lostash. Are you charged with a crime? Or do you want to know your rights if stopped by police? Watch California attorney Anton Vjeltsin discuss legal cases from the Supreme Court, Ninth Circuit, and California State Courts on the Lostash YouTube page. Anton has handled hundreds of federal and state criminal cases, has an in-depth knowledge of the law, and has the best mustache ever. Subscribe to the Lostash YouTube page. That's L-A-W-S-T-A-C-H-E. Today we'll be discussing Supreme Court case Robert Cop versus Texas, a case that involves a murder and a confession that follows an illegal arrest. First, let me give you some factual background. After a disappearance of a 14-year-old girl, officers learned that the victim had sexual relations with her 19-year-old half-brother. They also learned that the half-brother was seen together with Mr. Cop on the day of the girl's disappearance. The officers made a decision to bring both men into the headquarters to question them. After the interrogation, they let Mr. Cop go because they had no evidence against him. The 19-year-old half-brother, on the other hand, failed a polygraph three times. And on the third time, he confessed to the murder of his half-sister and told the officers where he dumped the body in the ditch. He also implicated the 17-year-old Mr. Cop. Officers first thought to get an arrest warrant for Mr. Cop, but they believed they didn't have enough probable cause to make the arrest, so they didn't get the warrant. But still, the detectives made the decision to go and confront Mr. Cop. Detective Gregory Pinkins, in his own words, later told the court that he wanted to get Cop in and confront him with what the brother had said. In the company of two other plainclothes detectives and three uniformed officers, Pinkins went to Cop's house at approximately 3 a.m. in the morning. After Cop's father opened the door and led them in, Pinkins, with at least two other officers, went to Cop's bedroom, awakened him with a flashlight, identified himself, and said, we need to go and talk. Mr. Cop replied, okay. The two officers then handcuffed Cop and led him shoeless and dressed only in boxer shorts and a t-shirt out of his house and into a patrol car. At no point 
was he ever told that he could decline to go with them. The officers, along with cop, stopped for five to ten minutes where the victim's body was just found. They then drove to the interrogation room. Cop first denied any involvement in the victim's disappearance, but 10 or 15 minutes later into the interrogation, he was told about the brother's confession. He then admitted to having some part in the crime. He did not, however, acknowledge causing the fatal wound or confess to murder, for which he was later indicted. After unsuccessfully arguing for the suppression of his confession as fruits of an illegal arrest, he was found guilty, convicted, sentenced to 55 years in prison. He appealed his sentence and his conviction, and the appellate court essentially found four issues. Number one, cop consented to go to the officers when he answered okay to Pinkin's statements that we need to go and talk. The second finding was that the court saw no contrary significance in the subsequent handcuffing and removal to the patrol car given the practice of the sheriff's department in routinely using handcuffs for sheriff's safety. Number three, the court observed that a reasonable person in cop's position would not believe that being in handcuffs was a significant restriction on his freedom of movement. Well, that sounds a little bit weird. And number four, finally, the state court noted that Cobb did not resist in use of handcuffs or acted in any manner inconsistent with anything other than full cooperation. Remember, the Fourth Amendment protects against unreasonable searches and seizures, and generally speaking, officers need to have a warrant before they do a search or seizure. Here, of course, officers acted without a warrant. Also, when we're talking about seizures, of course, a seizure can be of property, but in this case, we're dealing with a seizure of a person. Under the 4th and 14th Amendments, a seizure of a person occurs when taking into account all the circumstances surrounding the encounter, the police conduct would have communicated to a reasonable person that he was not at liberty to ignore the police presence and go about his business. Examples of circumstances that might indicate a seizure even where the person did not attempt to leave, include the threatening presence of several officers, the display of a weapon by an officer, some physical touching of the person, or the use of language or tone of voice indicating that a compliance with the officer's request might be compelled. Notably, the Supreme Court has never sustained against the Fourth Amendment challenge a forceful removal of a person from his home to the police station in the detention there without probable cause or a warrant. And here, the state does not claim to have had probable cause and a straightforward application of the test just mentioned shows beyond cavil that Cobb was arrested within the meaning of the Fourth Amendment. A 17-year-old boy was awakened in his bedroom at 3 a.m. in the morning by at least three police officers, one of whom stated, we need to go and talk. He was then taken out in handcuffs, without shoes, dressed only in his underwear in January, placed in a patrol car, driven to the scene of a crime, and then to the sheriff's office, where he was taken into interrogation room and questioned. 
The Supreme Court says the cops okay in response to Pinkin's statement is not a showing of consent under these circumstances. Because Pinkins did not give him a choice. There is no reason to think the cop answered was anything more than a mere submission to a claim of a lawful authority. If reasonable doubt were possible on this point, the ensuing events would resolve it. Removal of one's house in handcuffs on a January night with nothing on but underwear for a trip to a crime scene on a way to an interview room at law enforcement headquarters, even if initially consensual encounter can be transformed to a seizure or detention within the meaning of the Fourth Amendment. And then, of course, the court also says the fact that the officers routinely handcuff individuals when they transport them for officer safety, that does not mean that he consented to that handcuffing. As for the lack of resistance, failure to struggle with a cohort of deputy sheriffs is not a waiver of Fourth Amendment protection, which does not require perversity of resisting arrest or assaulting a police officer. Since cop was arrested before he was questioned, and because the state does not even claim that the sheriff's department had probable cause to detain him at that point, well-established precedent requires suppression of the confession. I hope you've learned a little bit more about confessions, about this case, and how an illegal arrest can then have to suppress the confession that follows it. If you like this video, please give it a thumbs up and share it with your friends and family. If you're listening to the podcast version of this recording on Audible or Spotify, please give my podcast a five-star review rating. And finally, if you want to support this channel, consider going to lostash.com and purchase one of my t-shirts. Thanks for watching.